Hey everybody, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers. Today we have Stacey Gonder, who is a costume and clothing designer, and she is best known for her brand, House of Sass and Magic. Uh, so if you've been in Toronto for a bit and in the fashion scene for a little bit, I'm sure you've heard of her brand or you've seen her stuff. It's so, so cool. Uh, so welcome, Stacey. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. No problem. Thank you. Uh, so I want to jump right into it. Um, it. Your brand is amazing and you are amazing and you're, you have so much personality, which I love. Uh, so I want to know where all of that came from. So uh, where were you born? I was born in Peterborough, Ontario. I grew up on a farm about an hour outside of the city. It's a little little known fact. People are usually pretty surprised when they find out that I wasn't always a city girl. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I was born in Peterborough. I moved to Toronto it's got to be 20 years ago I'm gonna say that <laughs> like, might have just aged myself but that's okay amazing and you grew up on a farm that's crazy like a full like just acreage or did you have like animals and both stuff? okay wow. yeah my parents still live on the farm that I grew up on um we had horses cows goats chickens like wow. every, everything except pigs okay and were yeah. they farmers Yep, we did hay, we boarded horses, we raised cattle, we did, my mom used to work for the dairy herders of Ontario, like, it was farm life. Wow. It was legit farm life. That yeah. is, it's so crazy, because that's, like, such, a, if you've never really been exposed to that, like, it's a different world. And yeah. some people I know, too, especially, like, being close to Toronto, people will say, like, yeah, I grew up on a farm, but really, it was just property. Yeah. And so, but, like, it wasn't full-blown farm, so, like, that's, like, full farming. Yeah. Uh, did you have any siblings? I do. I have an older brother and a younger brother so you're the middle oh my gosh mm -hmm. and so like when you sort of like first started growing up or like what kind of kid were you like did you embrace the farm um I mean in hindsight I think in my imagination I think that I did but I don't really think I did <laughs> um I yeah I think I couldn't get out of there fast enough um when I was I left when I was 16 and oh, moved wow. yeah I moved to Oshawa so glorious <laughs> <laughs> getting closer slowly yeah. moving closer to the, to the city yeah um I decided that farm life wasn't for me because I was gonna dance my way into the hearts of the nation because I um took dance lessons from the time I was like I don't know I think eight or nine and then went on to have a professional performing career and oh, I was wow. like yeah like I just I, I knew from a very young age that what I wanted to do and nothing it sounds so cliche but nothing was gonna stop me so yeah. I just was like okay peace I'm gonna go do this now yeah yeah so were you like encouraged by your parents to get involved in the farm and um yeah like we had our chores and all of that stuff and and I rode horses and I enjoyed being outside and like we spent the majority of our time outside but I didn't it's like I got bored real easy you mm -hmm. know like my mom told me that I would change my clothes like six times a day and like I just I needed to, I just needed more, I needed mm -hmm. more than what was there, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think my parents encouraged us more to follow, like, it's, again, really cliche, but to follow our dreams and no, don't let anybody crazy. tell you no, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's kind of, it's kind of ironic because the same things that they told us to do were the same things that they were like, they were why like, are you doing this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you rebelling? And, and like, you're like, well, uh, just following your advice. I just kind of do what I was told. <laughs> That's know? amazing. Yeah. Um, so, and what kind of kid were you in, like, elementary school and stuff like that? Ooh. <laughs> um, 
it's funny. I was just thinking about this the other day, just going through my processes of things that I do. And I was, I remember my report cards always said that I was a very methodical student. Like I, I, I really, as much as I'm like, I fight the rules and I want to rebel against the rules and I want to make up new rules and all that sort of stuff. I still need structure. I still need to lay out how things need to get done. Um, but then I got in a lot of trouble as I got older, like towards the end of elementary school. I just, I, again, like I just needed stimuli. I needed to be not confined to whatever people were trying to make us do, which I thought was really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, mm, this stuff doesn't make sense to me. I need to get out. I need to do things. I need to create things. Um, so yeah. what kind of trouble I got to ask? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I was kind of mouthy. Okay. <laughs> not going to lie. Like I had an answer for everything and just, I don't know. It was like, it was like I knew I didn't belong in these stereotypical situations that were happening and mm-hmm. I would do anything and everything to just kind of create something not that. I just needed out. I needed out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially as like, like when you're young, sometimes you don't know, like you're having these feelings, but you don't really know how to articulate them. So just totally. like lashing out is just the only way that your body has like, you know, mature enough to really even do at that point. You're not able to articulate like, I don't fit in this yeah. like, world here or yeah. not that you don't fit in, but like it doesn't align with you. Yeah. Um, Something doesn't make sense here and you, f- you feel that on an like, instinctual. For, yeah. yeah. And th- there's a difference I think too between like, okay, you're just like, you know, you're tired, you're, you're being lazy that day and like, you're not following instructions or like, I physically like am not meant to be doing this. And like, this does not align with me whatsoever. Like, I don't want to be here. There's a big difference. And like, absolutely. unfortunately, I don't think teachers are really equipped to handle that, which they should be like, I would love to see that happen more. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But yeah, no judgment. So that makes perfect sense. And then what about (laughs) high school? Were you in Peterborough for high school too? No. So, uh, I moved from the far, so I did elementary school, like air quotes in the country. And then my last year, my last year of elementary school, um, my parents, God bless them, they they knew, they could see that I just was tormented. And so they helped me switch school boards for grade eight so that I could then go on to high school um, at a performing arts high school. Oh. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool, actually. And again, in hindsight, I'm like, wow, my parents really did everything they possibly could to encourage and to like support what I wanted to do. But I was not receiving that on some level yeah. in my brain, you know? Um, Especially, I can only imagine coming from a farming background, like, and being in Peterborough, like, what are the resources they really yeah, have? Yeah, and like, we and, weren't like, even in Peterborough, like... The closest center to air quote city would be either Oshawa or Peterborough, and both of those are thirty minutes away. Right, from, so like, like outskirts. yeah, like my all of my elementary school friends were a long distance telephone call. Oh like, no, you had to drive everywhere. Like yeah, there was, that's... yeah, it was balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I ended up going to high school in Oshawa. Um, again, so so like. <laughs> <laughs> so glorious. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, but then I actually I dropped out of high school in grade 11, I think. Grade Interesting. Yeah. And I, I've never actually really like spoken to somebody about that process. Do you need your parents' permission or can you just drop out? So if you're under 18, 
15, no, 16, sorry, under 16, you need your parents' permission. But if you're over 16, you're just like, peace, I'm out. 16? I would think it's like 18, but then I guess you're pretty much done yeah. by the time you're Wow, I did not know that. So you just yeah. like woke up one morning and you're like, how did you know that it was like the right decision for you at the time? So I was living, so I had moved out of my parents' house at 16 and was living with some friends. Um, and then, I'll never forget, it was... Uh, what's that called? Homeroom. <laughs> and it was creative writing. And my friend Tanya and I, we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, we don't need this. this <laughs> yeah, we were like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and we legit just like got our books, walked to the principal's office, and we were like, yeah, like we quit. Like we're out. <laughs> like, peace. And, and you just left. We just like, we walked out the front door and that was that the end was of it. that. Oh yeah, my was, God, that's crazy. Yeah, Not crazy, but like... Yeah, just, like in hindsight, I'm like, I don't even know if that would be possible anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't... I really don't know if that's like how, how things works. go down. Exactly. Can I ask, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. not trying to age you, but what year, like, would that have been in? Because that's going to help, like... Under- uh, that was, like, late 90s. Okay, so yeah, even for me, like, I was in high school in, like, the, er- the mid-2000s. Yeah. And, like, even at that point, I almost think that I, like or maybe I could have done that I don't know I didn't like even think of it but yeah that's crazy and then yeah. do like do, do they call your parents oh yeah yeah and I just like again it's like what we were just talking about it was one of these things and, and this has been a kind of a common theme throughout my life is there's just some things that I know instinctually like you mm-hmm. feel it on some level that like you know that this is what has to happen you're not really sure why yeah. you're not really sure how or what's going to happen next but this needs to happen and I'm going to do it so I did it <laughs> And those are the sometimes the best things too that are like that you can't really explain. Those are the things that often are the most successful in your life when you like have a perfect plan. Blah blah. blah. Like I mean, planning is good too, Mm -hmm. but I I know for me, like a lot of the things that have like you know prevailed for me. It's like I don't I couldn't even explain why. It's just like I needed to. Yeah, it's like deeper than you or yeah. There's these raw instincts that I feel like like you said. You know, planning's great. Loose guidelines give yourself some direction, but I feel like a lot of individuals take so much time to plan and to do this and that all of that time that you're planning then you're not doing yeah. you know so yeah. then and if you what is the perfect plan what is the perfect way to execute something who knows we've never done this before yeah you know like, like we as human beings we've never lived this life before so like oh yeah yeah <laughs> like, we're just making it up as we go along you know and hoping yeah. for the best at the end of the day so I want to ask you so yeah. badly when you walked out of high school that day what what did you do you and your friend were you did you know. feel so free were you just like oh my I God. don't remember to be honest with you I just I more so remember still like I was like okay I'm still gonna go to my dance classes I'm still I had a part-time job so I'm still gonna go to my job like I'm still gonna, still gonna do all the things that I need to do in order to like live but school just wasn't one of them mm-hmm. you know um yeah I don't remember what we did I think we were just like we probably like went to the mall or something yeah, stupid yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like we probably hung out in a park yeah I honestly don't remember we probably smoked cigarettes somewhere yeah like, for real um so then did you return that evening to your parents house or your friend's house where you were living no to my friend's house where I was living I when I left my parents house I never ever went back oh my god yeah that is honestly still ballsy because I think a lot of like kids have had their time where you're like, I'm never coming back. And then like a week later, they're back at their parents. Like, yeah. They just like, you know, it was a, a thing of rage at the moment, but that's crazy. Like yeah. that's really ballsy. Good for you. Yeah. I, sorry. I shouldn't say crazy. I don't mean that in like a negative way. No, I, mean, like, I understand that, that like, I almost have such a large amount of respect for you because 
I mean, I thought those things too at that age, but I don't think I was actually ballsy enough to leave my dad's house, you know? Right. Yeah. And again, in hindsight, I'm like, holy shit, like that's a thing I did, you know? And, and I talk a lot about this with my friends and my therapist. (laughs) Hey, that's amazing. That it's like, you know, the same things that are, were probably like really risky and in hindsight, probably quite dangerous for, because I was legitimately a child to do are still are the same things that have led me to my success and Mm -hmm. have led me to learn lessons that I probably shouldn't have needed to learn at that age but they served me and and sometimes I think to myself maybe I went through that and maybe I did those things and the instinct was to know that I would need it later Mm -hmm. a thousand percent I think that's the purpose of you know life really is to like prep you for what's gonna happen later on or whatever right so that's amazing. So you were at your um, friend's house living. And then did your parents call you or like come by that house and said, get your ass back to high school or like what So I remember my, so this before I quit high school, I remember my dad showing up at school being like, yo, you need to come home. And I was like, nope. <laughs> and like, I'm pretty sure he like begged. And I was like, no, like I'm good. I've got a place. Like, and at that point I hadn't decided to quit. Like I was like, I'm still going to school. Like it's fine. This is what's best for I think for me um and then like yeah for sure you know they always wanted me to come home but again like I just again in hindsight I don't remember feeling like it wasn't a big fuck you to them it was just like no I know that this is what I want to do and I know that this is what I need to do for my sanity for whatever you know Mm -hmm. um and trying to get them to understand that was difficult but I just kind of stuck to my guns and was like this is what I'm doing it wasn't easy for them I'm sure yeah yeah you know what I mean but yeah my poor dad he tells me all the time he's like there were sleepless nights <laughs> like I'm the only girl too right? right right and your other two brothers were at home I'm assuming uh yeah oh yeah. my god yeah wow and so uh how was it at your friend's house like did you last was there a crazy while times <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy times um yeah there was so there was a person and another person, so yeah, two girls upstairs, and then myself and two other people downstairs. And I think we were. Oh, so were you guys like paying rent at this house? It oh, wasn't yeah. someone's parents' house. Oh no, this was like our house. Oh my god! Yeah. At that age, that's so. Yeah, and again, like I don't know if that's even possible anymore. You know well, I, mean? I don't know a landlord that would be excited right? to rent a house to five sixteen-year-old girls. Right? Certainly, I would not. There's not a chance <laughs> right? on earth, unless one of your parents signed their life away or something. Yeah. There's no way I would. Yeah, like there's so many things about it that I think about now and I'm like wow like what (laughs) but I like it's honestly late 90s compared to even early to mid 2000s that was a big jump it was a Mm -hmm. different like century it was a different way of things and you know people were way more lax and so many of the laws around that hadn't been like finited yet yeah 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 no it was it was fun I mean and you know what like we took care of each other we were like this little girl gang you know we we took care of each other and made sure we had groceries and all that stuff so we were there did you bump up your part-time job to take on more hours yeah so I was still taking my dance lessons so I would like who's paying for dance lessons I would clean the dance studio oh I would you know we were I started performing at like the age of 12 um so we would gig and get paid and all that sort of stuff um and at that time you could could um, I sound like I'm 80 at that time <laughs> um, at that time you could apply for social assistance as a as a young person and they assessed whether they thought you could 
A, sustain yourself, and B, whether they thought it was in your best interest to continue living in that environment and or send your ass back home. Right, right. So I was fortunate enough to be able to have assistance and, you know, the help with a lot of friends and their families and my dance family. Like, it was, yeah, like, it just kind of, we all kind of supported each other and made our way through our teens and into, I guess, I think it was 19 when I moved to Toronto. I think, it, yeah, so. And what made you, so, so sorry, yeah, because the other thing too is between 16 and 18, you're really kind of like held back in terms of like what type of job that you can get. Yeah. Like you can't serve, you can't really do anything that's going to actually make you like real money to like, you know, yeah. like live outside of a house with five other roommates, <laughs> right? So like, I know for me that was like a big game changer in terms of like what I could do because I could make more money at that age. But like mm-hmm. you said you moved at night. So what, what was like your first thing? that made you want to move to Toronto? Like, did you, had you always known you wanted to come here? Um, kind of. Um, so my grandparents lived in Scarborough while I was growing up. And so like we were in and out of the city a lot. My mom grew up in Toronto. Um, and then I was performing in a show downtown and I was commuting, go training back and forth to Oshawa, working in the pita shop. (laughs) <laughs> slinging pitas That's all night amazing. yeah slinging pitas all night and then I'd come to rehearsal during the day and I just kind of got to the point where I was like screw this like I'm done I'm moving to Toronto I was gigging all the time I was performing in the show like things were good so I was like screw it I'm out so I moved in with my grandparents oh perfect yeah um until I started dating the producer son of the show and then decided <laughs> to move in with them. Um, were, how is it living with your grandparents? Like, were they charging you rent and stuff or did you get no, a bit of a break? Oh, no, that's nice. Yeah, that was, it was good. It was super chill. Um, that, yeah. w- that would have put some more money in your pocket, I would imagine, as well. Yeah, right? totally. It was super chill and my older brother was living there also. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was cool. Bit of a family reunion. Yeah, right. Um, but I wasn't there very long, like maybe six months and then I moved in with the boy and... Sorry, and what type of like gigs and dance were you doing? I want to ask about that. Uh, so I grew up doing jazz, tap, ballet, hip hop, musical theater and then when I moved to Toronto I started doing a lot of Latin stuff. So okay. <clears throat> the show that I was performing in um, was a Latin review um, with a whole bunch of Cuban dancers, which was super awesome. And uh, yeah, and gigging, we would do like industrial shows or go-go dancing. Nice. Um, yeah, it was kind of... Do you remember the Electric Circus days? Oh, yes. Did you ever get involved in that? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> For those listening who are under, like, I want to say probably 25, you yeah. will not remember Electric Circus, yeah. but it was the coolest thing on earth. Yeah, I, with Erica M. Yeah, I used to watch it uh, on Much Music, which mm-hmm. is like our MTV, like yep. Canadian MTV kind of. Uh, we have MTV Canada now, but before as Much Music. Yeah. And I'm just giving this example for the listeners. And it was so cool. <laughs> like, I would always, I wanted to go there so badly, but I was like so, yeah, I was like nine years old when this was like a thing. And um, like, all I remember was like just these crazy, like, girls, guys, everybody like dancing. And like, they used to put dancers in the window and it yep. was like their silhouettes. Like, so fun. It was so fucking cool. Yeah, I used to live down the street and we'd just kind of hang out and watch them. <laughs> we were That's like, awesome. Yeah, it was super fun. Super fun. The late 90s were super fun. Yeah, for <laughs> real. For a whole bunch of different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So you are now living... Okay, so you met... You moved in with the producer's son. son. Yeah, that lasted And you guys like, were living together where? Uh, in Etobicoke, uh, Bloor in rural York, above some weird... I don't know, convenience store. Like, I got, like, I think about the things I've done. <laughs> I'm like, why did it seem so awesome at the, at the time? time? And now yeah. I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I was there maybe about a year until the show closed. Um, and, and was this like regular? Like how often per week were you performing? We were doing, sometimes we do a Thursday matinee and then Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and a Sunday matinee. So oh, like, anywhere so it was like from, regular work. Yeah, so anywhere from three to five days a week, depending. Nice. Yeah. It was, and it was, you know what? You got to see the same people all the time. And like we would, it was typical. Like we would rehearse during the day. We'd perform at night. Then we'd go party and mm-hmm. <laughs> start it off. All over again the next day. Um, yeah, so I think I lasted in Etobicoke a couple of years, maybe three years. With living with him. Yeah. Yeah, and then I woke up again one morning and was like, this is not okay. Like, yeah. I'm living in suburbia. Like, yeah. yeah, no. I was like, this isn't cool. And I had started raving, and I was like, okay, that's just way more fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I moved downtown with a friend of mine. Um, and did you guys break up, you and the... Yeah, okay. I was like, peace out. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. Like, and I had like, I don't know about you, but I can't handle being around people that aren't motivated to continue to move forward and yeah, like do better, hard. you know what I mean? Where they just kind of start to plateau and you're like, this is it for you? Like, yeah. this, is, this is as good as it gets? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I'm the same. It's like yeah. I have to constantly be like moving forward or like growing and yeah. otherwise it's really hard. Yeah, and or even like willing to kind of participate in something together, you know, where it's like, okay, cool, you don't want anything more for yourself, but how about what we want for us, you mm-hmm. know? Like... So yeah, I pieced out of there, moved down back downtown, um, right at Queen and Peter, and uh, those were good days. Nineteen ninety nine, those were good days. <laughs> Again, my eighty year old little lady comes out. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's where I decided. So I was performing in another show, but I got fired for being too skinny. Uh, really mm-hmm. that's like a weird thing for that time I feel like it would be the opposite if anything yeah because I didn't look the same way I looked when I was hired so oh. yeah um so I got fired from this gig and I was like okay now what am I gonna do with my life I was 25 um and I had no idea what I was gonna do with my life because all I knew how to do was count eight and start over again <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? so I went back to school for costume studies and that's where all all of this began um, oh. the International Academy of Design and question for you yeah did they take you without a high school diploma yes because I had gone to York University for a year um, as a mature student okay so again and it, what does that do you have to be 22 or I'm not sure what it is now um, I know then you had to have been out of school I think you had to be over I want to say it was like 24. You had to be over 24 and out of school for at least, I don't know remember if it was four consecutive years before going, before applying to university. Um, but I don't know if it's still the same. Yeah. Um, but no, that's interesting because that's another thing that like we're very much fed as kids, right? Mm. Like you can't, you like your life is ruined if you don't have your high school diploma or like your GED, like you're not gonna be able to do anything. And it's like, yeah, it's still like, I mean, a good idea just to get it if you can tough it out. But like you can apply as a mature student and yeah. no one ever talks about that. Yeah. Right. Like. When I, went, when I went to York, I think I had to, because the other thing, I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but I was also I'll a bit of back. a weirdo, <laughs> and when, after I quit high school, I still, like, I did correspondence courses, I went to summer school and got my compulsories that I still didn't have. Oh, okay. Um, why? I don't know. 
what I mean? Like, everybody's like, what do you mean you don't have to be here? Like, I remember doing OAC, again, I just aged myself, but OAC English in summer school, and everybody was like, why are you here? You don't have, like, nobody's making you be here. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, it just seems like a good thing to do. Um, so I had all my compulsories when I went to apply to university, and I went to York for a year as a dance major. Um, and then when I decided to go to costume school, um, yeah, I, it just kind of, I don't mean, because it was a private institute also, mm, it yeah, didn't follow the same, the same rules. And what drew you to costumes? Were you just like, oh. well, when I lost this contract, I was like, okay, like, I don't, like, I legitimately had not had any other, like, I worked in restaurants as a server or I was a dancer. Like, what was I going to do with my life? Yeah. Um, and a woman I was training with at the time, she was like, why don't you try, you know, stage managing or like, you know, something in theater so that you're not sitting at a desk all day. And I honestly don't consciously remember making the decision for costume school, but I ended up in costume school (laughs) (laughs) and I did it. Um, Yeah. So I went and I didn't know how to turn on the sewing machine. I didn't know anything. Like I knew nothing. Um, I remember my sewing teacher telling me to just pretend like I'm driving. And I was like, yo, you do not want me to drive or just sew like I drive. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. So I did an 18 month program that was they took four years and smushed it into 18 months. And uh, came out with a diploma in costume studies. Nice. Yeah. And then what the hell did you after that? So because I was still, I was teaching dance and I was adjudicating some dance competitions, I used my students and all my fellow teachers and choreographers to start my other brand, which is Flash Design Company. Oh my God, I didn't even know you had this other brand. Yeah. So that I've been doing since 2001. Um, And what is it? We do custom costuming for competitive and recreational dancers. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've been doing that forever in a day. Um, and then I realized about five years ago that it follows the school season. So I have a chunk of time in the summer where right. we don't do much. So I love electronic music. I go to a bunch of festivals. So I was like, hey, I'm going to take my rave life and my costume life and I'm going to smush them together mm. and I'm going to make some crazy clothing for whoever wants it. And Amazing. that's how the House of Sassel Magic came to be. Okay, so I, I need to like de- <laughs> like go through all of this. Okay, so you have this costume um, company mm-hmm. and are you like sewing every single costume yourself or Correct. do you have like a team at this point? So when I first came out of school, it was just me. So I would sew all day, go teach dance at night and it was a one-man operation up until 2008, I guess. Yeah, 2008, 2007, somewhere around there. I hired my first assistant and some, a small set of like contract staff. And now we grow anywhere. So I, right now, I have anywhere from three to five staff, depending on what time of year it is and how busy our roster is. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And do you have a studio or something? Mm-hmm. Or, nice. Yeah. So we're in Leslieville. Um, at Queen and Carla. Nice. Yeah. So you have that. And then, and sorry, you said House of Assassin Magic is what, five years old? Yep. Cool. And um, what was sort of like, I guess, the first like piece that you made? Or like, I don't know, I want to know about like mm. the inception or the conception, I guess, of that. Of House of Assassin Magic? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm trying to think what we did first. I had a colleague at the time that was working with me that we legit, like, it was a joke. Like, we we were joking about making these rave clothes. And, like, we were going to, we had this dream of, like, 
buying a van and driving across the country and selling our stuff to all these different festival goers. Um, it's a good idea. Yeah, right? <laughs> I was like, this is the life. And especially, like, if you had that idea five years ago, like, now more than ever, that's, like, a yeah. viable business idea. <laughs> yeah, so we, as, like, kind of half-joking, we applied to three major festivals that are in BC, Base Coast, Motion Notion, and Shambhala, and we got into all three. And As a vendor, you applied? Yeah. Okay. And we got into all three, and we went on the road for a month selling wow. our stuff. Yeah, and, like, everybody's like, how did you do it? And I was like, I don't know. We just we just tried. And, like, it's... So, yeah, did you, like, drive out there first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, sorry, we were here. Yeah. And we did all the applications here. And then once we were accepted, we drove from Toronto to... First, we went to Golden, BC. Then we went to Merritt, BC. And then we went to Selmo, BC. And, like, just in your regular car, did you have to, like, rent a truck or something? I bought a 1980. Ford Econo line conversion oh my van, God. which I still have and we still oh use God. to travel around doing all the festivals and stuff. Yeah, that's like my egg. That's like my freedom. It was supposed to be Freedom Forty Five, but <laughs> we we got we got a couple of years before that happened. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that's like my goal is to be this like vagabond that just drives around selling cool shit to cool people. That's amazing. So you do all these three festivals and how much did you, how many designs did you bring and were they all one of a kind? Yes, they were all one of a kind. And that's, so things have shifted a little bit since the inception. Um, I guess, like you said, conception. I know. I don't yeah. know what the right word is or do both work? I don't know. I inception, like... I feel like they're costumes in costumes in costumes. In yeah, costumes I know. It's the movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, conception definitely is like the start of something. <laughs> so I I'm think it's it. that. <laughs> um, yeah, so originally we did like all one-of-a-kind pieces, and it was a combination of upcycling and um, made-from-scratch uh, items. And then the person that I started the brand with decided to leave both, because she was working with me with Flash Design Company also, she decided to leave both brands completely. And so I was kind of like, oh shit, I have this thing now that I thought somebody else was helping me with, but they're not. And yeah. it also... It was originally called House SM, which was our initials. Oh. And so I was like, oh, shit, like, what am I going to do? So I decided, I was like, okay, well, I don't know what, I, what to call this now. So for about, I don't know, six months, about a year maybe, then um, I just continued to call it House SM. And then one day it came to me, oh, my God, we're going to have a whole bunch of sass and magic happening at all these events. And that was the new Ooh. name. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, originally it was all these one-of-a-kind pieces, and I think in hindsight, we have both had a bit of a different creative vision for where we wanted the brand to go ultimately, um, but that's where it was for that for that summer, because we worked together for a summer doing it, and it was just kind of all over the place. That's amazing. Yeah. And what was the um, sort of initial like um, feedback from the festival people that came out? Like- so it was a bit of a mixed bag, because festival culture on the west side of our country is very different than festival culture on the east side of our country. Explain. So festival culture in the west has, it, A, there's so much more. Yeah, because um, well, they have nicer weather, too. Yeah. We have to like, cram everything in like three months. Yeah, and it's must, much less commercialized um, in oh. the west. So all the festivals that I try to do um, have zero commercial uh, uh, sponsorship oh. or an involvement at all. Um, That's I, so still? Yeah. Yeah. That is so weird. I want to say, like, typical Vancouver. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. If anyone's from Vancouver, I really like you a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Vancouver's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a much different But, like, approach. I know the vibe. I know what you yeah. mean. I mean, yeah. They're, like, natural, like, yeah. kind of just, like, they don't want to, like, ruin things, which is not a bad idea. Yeah. And it just, it it tends to attract a different demographic also. Like, I... I'm gonna. I don't know. If, is it okay if I use corporate names here? Of course, go for it. So, for example, dream, what used to be called Digital Dreams, but it's now just Dreams here yeah. in Toronto. Like that. I'm, I was gonna say not all of, but a, a large percentage of that population would never attend the events that are in the West and vice versa. Okay. Right? Like it's just a different vibe and just a different mindset. Um, one's not better than the other; they're just different. Um, so when we got to the west and also everybody out west has a tendency to hate people from they everyone does right because they think we're the center of the universe which (laughs) we are kind of the center of the country i'm just kidding i'm just kidding everyone from the west is gonna absolutely hate me but actually winnipeg is the center of literally the exact center yeah um but yeah no i totally understand like like even though like i haven't spent much time in the west coast but like Mm -hmm. it's still prevalent within the country like it's just that different way people live and it's like it's because there's different climate there's different like it's all it's just different yeah yeah yeah. just the exposure to different things you know and their attitudes towards different social norms and or social initiatives it's it's just different yeah you know so when we got there they were like "Mm, you're from Toronto Mm, yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and also and I'm sure you you know this because you've seen my stuff like we're pretty glitzy and like pretty I like to call it boho glam. Like, I always have a touch of whimsy with everything I do, but there's always a ton of sparkle. There's always a ton of detail. There's always a ton of, like... This, I, my answer it's, is always it's, needs more. Like, yeah, like, it's very you know? it's very dance costumey, but in, like, such a wearable way. Yeah. Like, a so very personality they, way. I think they didn't really know how to receive it because it's much more earthy, and that... And even, like, even the culture has shifted in the last five years that we've been doing it, but, you know, within festival culture there's like all these different subcultures of like feathers and leathers and candy kids and you know dirty hippies and like all there's all these different kind of subgenres, and we don't really fit into just one mm-hmm. we're kind of a mixed bag of everything and I, I like to think that that's because of my life experience has been across the board you know what I mean yeah. so that comes through in the things that I present so it was a little bit like they were like oh like who do you think you are coming in here you know like, <laughs> I'm just like bam I'm here like, like hey like, Toronto, yeah, like, Toronto's in the building <laughs> totally I'm like a glitter explosion all over the place you know um but we've carved out in my opinion we've carved out a space for ourselves and there's something to be said for the like Shambhala was voted the the best outdoor musical in the world by DJ Magazine last year. Really? And yeah, like I was going as an attendee for a couple of years before we became vendors. And, you know, to be curated and invited to be at an event that, of that stature says something to me. Like it's not like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not. I wonder what made it like deemed the best. Do you because know? Because it's fucking awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> so do you, so I'm curious, do you yeah. prefer events West yes. Coast events versus here. Absolutely. I'm interested to hear that. And in what is it just more like free out there? Like what's the difference? Um in this you know, it's just my opinion and based on my experiences is that um for example, we just finished doing Fan Expo this past weekend. Um and it was a grind, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was a grind. Um just the I guess it's it's a difference in attitude, and and it's funny that I say that. Fan I Expo in Toronto. Yeah, okay. um, 
that I say this because obviously running a business, you have to participate in consumerism, but, <laughs> but at the same time, seeing such consumerism and capitalism on that scale and just seeing people like mindlessly participating in something, over. you know, and it's like, from in my experience and in my opinion, a lot of the festivals that um, we attend rely on the festival goer to create an experience for themselves as opposed to being fed an experience here's or sorry fed a product where it's just like this you're going to arrive at the gate you're going to do this you're going to you're going to feel this you're going to you know it's 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 a predetermined package and you're saying that's like you. the culture here that i feel like that's the culture with mainstream festivals and mainstream culture in general yeah you know? yeah i know that and that's why i personally like to participate and support things that allow you to have free thought and allow you to create an experience for yourself and or with other people that maybe somebody else isn't having because they're busy creating their own experience. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then maybe you come together and you talk about those two experiences and learn something from each other instead of it being this pre-packaged, formulated thing that they want a billion people to consume mm -hmm. you know what I mean mm -hmm. like I don't know if I'm being super clear no that, absolutely but... I'm like right right there with you um, so I want to ask you another question yeah, for sure um have you been to Coachella I have not okay then never mind but I was gonna say <laughs> I wonder how because a lot of times Vancouver gets compared to California mm -hmm. and LA and we get compared to New York right yeah um but then it's also Canada versus the US so I feel like Although I can see, like, I almost feel like LA is like a equal version, like has like parts of both. Yeah, 100%. because like, oh, there is a lot of like West Coast chill, yeah. slowing down, like ocean vibes in Vancouver. But then there's also a lot of like the consumerism that you're talking totally. about, which is like completely over here, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I was wondering like what the difference would be between like a, a Vancouver festival and like, a, a, like an LA based festival. Yeah. I don't know. I actually, a good friend of mine would be a really good person to ask cause she grew up in the Kootenai mountains and worked with Shambhala for a long time and then moved to LA mm. uh, about two years ago. And she does some work, um, with a couple of festivals out there that she really, really loves. So it would be interesting to hear her mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah. I'm like yeah. so interested in this whole thing now. It's like, it blows my mind how um like similar but different things can be just based yeah. on like where geographically you are yeah you know? 100% and I think also you know it, it attracts like we were saying it attracts a different kind of minded person you know and and it's interesting to watch people who <clears throat> maybe have never had those thoughts of their own and then they come into a festival or come into an experience where and I hate this word because it's a bit of a buzzword, but they get this enlightenment and they're like, oh my God, like this is so awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. then they see that as an alternative to all of this stuff that we get caught up in. And and it's not just about the festival, you know, about connecting with other human beings and, and having discussions that maybe you wouldn't normally have on a regular day basis, mm -hmm. you know, because you're just like, do, 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 yeah. doing it, right? Exactly. That is so cool. I didn't even know that about you. Uh, that's why I love doing this podcast too because you learn so much about people and like, you know, I've, I obviously have seen a lot of your stuff on Instagram, but like I didn't even know about your other company and like yeah. that's probably my bad, but like it's just <laughs> interesting to learn all this. So um, you talked about like your Freedom 45-ish a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. So what is the goal for both brands? 
So in my perfect little world that exists in my mind, um, Flash Design Company, and it's it's almost there, is its own little, you know, kind of world that runs on its own with its, their staff and I design and, and, you know, continue to facilitate managing that, but it basically runs itself. And then I get to travel the globe with the House Assassin Magic. Like, that's still in my heart of hearts am I going to be able to make it happen I think so um, well listen I don't need to like put your come up story throw that in your face but you have made everything so far in your life happen from dropping out of school at 16 making it on your own I think this is like the I don't want to say the easiest thing but like one of the simpler things that you'll be able to accomplish that's so funny you say because I went to Burning Man by myself I was literally just going to ask you if you've been to Burning Man yeah too. I went by myself two years ago and uh Everybody was like, oh, my God, Like you, you've never been to Burning Man before? And I was like, no, why? And they were like, because you're, like, prepared. And then I said, I was like, this is, like, because everybody's like, oh, my God, like, you got to do this, you got to do that, da, da, da. And it was the easiest thing that I had done that entire year. I had a really shit year that year, but I was like. Wait, did you go to attend or as a vendor? Uh, as, a, as an attendee, there are no vendors. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. It, yeah. So there's no money at all at Burning Man. Oh, no way. So people just go for the love of, like, performing. Yeah. So, and well, it's, Burning Man is an experiment in living in a decommodified environment. Oh, my God. I didn't even know that part about it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is, and it's interesting, you know, going back to our conversation about, like, commercialization and, and, and consumerism and all that kind of stuff, like, what social media has done <clears throat> to Burning Man and, and like what opposite it, it, 100% and yeah. so there's you know there's a lot of discussions about like is it good for it is it bad for it but it is about again it's about arriving at a place and creating an experience for yourself you're not buying an experience you're not buying a product so but how do you eat and shit while you're there you make food yourself you, you have to bring so you have every, to bring you everything. have to bring every single thing yourself and or there are theme camps that you could like people collectively come together and you pull <clears throat> excuse me before you attend you pull money and they plan your uh, menu and that sort of stuff. Okay. And then you work shifts to trade for your food. So, uh-huh. yeah. Nobody gives you nothing. How do you... Do you have to buy a ticket to go? Yep. Okay, so there is that, though. So yeah. the festival makes some type of money. Um, so most of the money goes back into grants for artists. and oh, or okay. So because all of the art structures that are built throughout the desert are funded through... Um, applications that the artists put in and that, okay. yeah and or they fundraise to f- facilitate their art cars and all that sort of stuff wow I'm you know what's so funny I literally was gonna ask you if, if you've been and then I'm like nah whatever she would have told me if she was in. <laughs> that is so cool because that like I've seen on um you know Instagram and stuff and mm-hmm. that festival looks like another level and I, I didn't know that whole other part of it which is yeah. so cool so it's actually that like that is the, the it's not even a the festival me- it's an arts celebration essentially like, there's no DJ set list there's no like any of that stuff. so does it, can anyone just like get up and play or is it like they, they, they get a do, time yeah like they have a time but they don't again like it's not like you're gonna arrive there and get your little schedule and be like no, no you this have to like go happening. searching it out or yeah. like you hear from a friend or you know you happen to know somebody who knows somebody um oh. yeah that is really cool yeah uh, sorry so you were it's telling good. me you're like in, my, in a perfect world um yeah. the costume 
the dance costume company would run itself, and yeah. then you would travel the world. And then what? Because uh, there's festivals everywhere. Like, so would you drive, or would you? And, and like, where would you want to construct your pieces? So that's the conundrum. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, do I have a little sewing machine in the back? Yeah, that like... you like bring with you like a mobile shop. Yeah, hey, right? it's not very far fetched. So my partner was like, hey man, we could like have a trailer, and you could like you know just fold it out, and there's your little like it's like a mobile studio or whatever. So. I think to start, because I always have this this issue where I have these like grander dreams, but then I'm like, okay, where do I start? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I want to start with across the country, like so go from the East Coast to the West Coast, because there's a zillion festivals across the country Tons. that you know that fall into my branding and ethos, and both personally and professionally. So start there. Um, I do want to look at the U.S. Um, it's a little bit more difficult getting your merchandise across the border and that whole thing, mm-hmm. which I think is silly, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But we'll figure it out. Um, so kind of go, the, you know, like, let's start with this country, then start with this continent, and then just kind of keep going go from exponentially. There. Yeah. And I, I want to ask you this, too. I know you said you had zero sewing background before you mm-hmm. went to school. And now do you sew everything yourself? I don't sew everything myself anymore. Um, so I have an assistant who is, like, my right-hand man. She, like, right-hand person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we joke all the time, like, you're the mic to my Ike. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she does the majority of the sewing, um, just with the two businesses like I've become much we joke that there's business Stacy and creative Stacy and I've become much more business Stacy over the last year or so um just with so many moving parts and keeping things businessy <laughs> <laughs> but I do most of the designing um and then Alex and I will kind of figure out how to construct it and then either she'll do all of it and or part of it or staff or myself it'll always be some sort of combination of that okay so you have like a little bit of a team set yeah now. that's good yeah. I know because sewing can take a long time <laughs> always longer than you think yeah <laughs> I know like very basic sewing and even that takes me so long because I'm not very good at it that's why but like oh god I couldn't imagine so that's amazing that's yeah good. you have some help Okay, well, thank you so, so much for telling me this amazing story. Before I let you go, I want to first ask you about your favorite footwear that you wore here today. My favorite footwear that I wore here today, and they're my fancy fancy gold shoes. I feel like they um, encompass both sides of my personality, where I love to be comfortable and chilling and hanging out, but I also like to be super glam. (laughs) Yeah, like literally, that's exactly what you're wearing, too, and like about your story, it sounds like it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Did you, how, how long have you had them for? Um, about, no, you know what? That's a lie. I've had them for about two years, but I just started wearing them within the last, like, six months. Ah, yeah. So true. it was just kind of sat there, and I was like, mm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. On your own time. Like, <laughs> like everything like your else, whole life, right? Which is, I love that. Um, and then I would love if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who might be walking a similar path to you. I usually tell people, just in general, to take up as much space as you possibly can, you know, and don't, and to quote my parents, don't ever let them tell you no. Yeah, literally. Yeah. When you say take up as much space as you possibly can, are you just saying like metaphorically, like just give me a little bit more on that for someone who's listening? Yeah. I mean, if you be where you think you need to be, do what you think you need to do. Don't question yourself, you know, like just go for it. Take up the space that you want to occupy in the world. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. 
Okay, guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much uh, for listening and tuning in. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, please feel free to leave a five-star review. I would really, really appreciate it. Um, you guys can follow Stacy on Instagram at um, housesmt. So I'll just spell it out for you. So it's at housesmtdot. And then is that a gateway to sort of all of your other things happening and okay good so guys go follow her there Um, of course you can follow the podcast at coming up in my sneakers and I will see you guys next Wednesday thank you so much for tuning in and do not get caught wearing dirty sneakers